everyone. Glad to see you. Stand this morning as we open in worship. Glory to his name. Down at the cross where my Savior died. Down with the cleansing from sin I cried. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. Sing it out this morning. Glory to his name. Sounded good. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. I am so wondrously saved from sin. Jesus so sweetly abides within. There at the cross where he took. for that this morning. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood of God. Glory to his name. One more time. Glory to his name. Glory That's almost dancing music, I think. Yeah, I saw some kids up here dancing, some older folks getting with it. It's good to see you here this morning. There's no telling what's going to happen throughout the day today. I'm glad to see you if you're here for the very first time. Thank you for coming and checking out Sunset Hills. We hope that you've already received a, a warm welcome. People made you feel right at home. That's what we try to do. We try to make people feel like this is a place that just feels good, not just because it's a, a happy and friendly place, but it's a place that where we worship the Lord God Almighty. We're going to do that in song and through message as well. If today is your first day to be with us, we hope you take some time just to let us know who you are. You can do that by texting that, that phone number up there and just fill out the information that it asks for. Or you can do it by going out to the welcome kiosk at the uh, table out there, the old-fashioned way, by pencil and paper. All right? I'll tell you what let's do. Look at somebody and tell them you are so glad. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Because some of you are saying about your spouses. So I'm not sure that this is going to work. Right? Well, go ahead and do it anyway. Look at somebody and tell them you're looking so good today, and I'm so glad to see you, all right?
All right, thank you so much. Now, on the way to worship this morning, on the way to church, my wife, uh, we had the radio on, and, and she said, you know what? That's a brand new song that we're going to learn this morning in church that was playing on the radio. It's a powerful song. So you just kind of listen, participate. Words will be on the screen. You feel like jumping in. Go ahead and do so. I'm calling on the God of Jacob Whose love endures through generations I know that you will keep your covenant I'm calling on the God of Moses The one who opened up the ocean and I need you now to do the same thing for me sing this with us if you know it oh God my God I need you oh God my God I need you now same 
the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the praises of the King rise among us. Let it rise. Let the songs of the Lord rise among us. Let the songs of the Lord rise among us. Let the joy of the King rise among us. Let it rise. Oh, let it rise. Oh, let it rise. of faith, great is thy faithfulness. Sing it out this morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail. Great is thy faithfulness, morning by 
sing that chorus one more time. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. faithfulness. Lord, I love that line that says that God, you're, you're so faithful, but God, that there's 10,000s beside the blessings that are so obvious to us. God, that, that I think so many times we just take for granted. So God, if we can't just take a moment, Lord, to just not take you for granted. Lord, just to say thank you. Lord, we're so grateful for your faithfulness. God, even when we choose not to be faithful, your faithfulness still chases us down. Lord, today as we glean from your word, Lord, I just pray that God, you would prick our hearts, God, convict our souls. Lord, those areas in the life that, that we're holding on to that God, we would turn those over to you and lay those burdens, God, at the cross. Because God, we are helpless to carry those around in this life. Lord, we thank you that you gave us a plan for hope through your son, Jesus. It's in his precious name this morning that we pray, amen. You may be seated. You not only are looking good this morning, you're sounding good. Thank you so much for participating in the worship time through song and message. How many of you like surprises? Let me see your hands. If you like surprises, raise your hands up. Uh, well, some of you. How many do not like surprises? Uh, a few less. How many of you don't care? Because there were a bunch that didn't raise their hands. It's like, which is it? I'm not sure. Surprises can be really great, can they not? They can. When they're fun, exciting, and special, that's when surprises are good. But some surprises that don't fit those categories, well, they're not so great, are they? The thing about surprises is they're unexpected. Otherwise, they wouldn't be a surprise, right, if you expected it to happen. I'm curious, has anyone ever ruined a surprise? Anybody besides me? There's a few of us, okay? Maybe it's a time when you, when someone was going to surprise someone else and you accidentally spilled the beans. I did that once to a family in our church. Uh, I've already had that person pointing at me. It was, an in, it was unintentional, but I spoiled a graduation party for Tracy and Julie Edwards' daughter, Jordan, uh, boy, did I feel badly about that. And so, Tracy and Julie, I'm coming down now to, uh, to offer my apologies for one more spoiling the surprise. You already did. Did you know I spoiled their surprise? I did. I, aren't I not terrible? 
Yeah, they uh, they were having a we were having a graduation party for my son Andrew, who was also in the same class. And Jordan came to that party, and I just spilled the beans right there. I said, "So I guess you're partying too, aren't you?" And she's was like, "Oh, I don't know." It's like oh, there it goes. It's surprise. It's ruined. They've been holding against me all these 15 years since then. Unfortunately, that's not the only time I ruined a surprise. I, I'm, I'm being very transparent with you today, okay? As I was last week, someone, we walked out, and I, I said something about me having a bad attitude, and someone says, I just can't believe pastors have bad attitudes from time to time. It's like, let me just tell you, pastors are human. And if you have somebody, if you have a pastor, ever has a pastor that says that they don't sin just like you do, or they don't do things that are mess up just like you do, you better stop following that pastor, amen? Because they, uh, well, you didn't have to be so strong about that. But. <laughs> I ruined a surprise once when I was in college. A group of people were going to surprise me for my birthday by throwing me a birthday party. It was going to be in conjunction with a backyard Bible club that I had been participating in. And I decided, I did not know this, it was totally a surprise. And I decided I didn't go want to go to this backyard Bible club on this particular night that they were doing. And uh, I, I decided I'm just going to skip out. Same night that they were throwing me this birthday party that was unbeknownst to me. My parents were in on it, and my dad found out that I was skipping out on this church event and he let me have it it wasn't pretty in my uh, in his opinion it was bad enough that I was skipping the church event but to find out that it was that when that I was skipping out on this surprise birthday party made it even worse and I was uh, having none of him trying to make me feel guilty about skipping out on the church event so I just made me dig my heels in that much more that I wasn't going and he finally had to tell me about the surprise birthday party that they were throwing in my honor. And boy, did I really feel guilty then when I showed up about 45 minutes after the party started. I'd like to say that that's the only time I've ruined surprises. I have one more. Another time that I really, this time, I made an even bigger fool of myself. And let me set the stage for you. After I graduated from Belmont College, I went to work there. My job was a janitorial supervisor. Had a pretty large staff at the time, and we all worked hard keeping the buildings clean. And after a few years, I got a promotion and continued to work hard. And during that time, a new president took over the, the college. We became a university during that time. And uh, he wanted to start a new program of recognizing the staff, the, the people that were really behind the scenes doing all the work to keep the university going. Uh, they, they were the secretaries, the support staff, basically anyone who was not a faculty member or a coach of athletics. So he started this thing where he wanted to show appreciation by having a staff appreciation lunch. So they were doing this for several years while I was on staff, and I would attend those things sort of begrudgingly because uh, it's like they were always, they would do this thing, you would end the event by having this announcement of the employee of the year. 
And I had started complaining about, you know, they always have these big old deals and the same old kind of people that win every time they were having, it became very predictable. It would be someone from the administration building or one of the colleges and some secretary would win. And, 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 and I just grumbled about it all the time because it just never seemed to get down to the level that we were at. And I had a really bad attitude about it and I made made a big deal about it with some of my cohorts and even considering skipping out on the luncheon at the last minute changed my mind decided to go and to be all I continue my so soft approach uh, my soft protest by sitting as far away from the president and the table that they had up at the head of the room uh, and and to be a far away from where they're going to present that award we had our lunch the president gave a speech of appreciation, and then after saying some brief words about a good job that this employer had done throughout the year, he announced the employee of the year. He called my name. Boy, was I surprised. He invited me to come down and receive a plaque and a check, I think, for $50. And then he asked me if I'd like to say a few words, and I thought, oh, my goodness, no way, not because I couldn't, was not able to say a few words about how my appreciation for working for the university or, you know, the, the, the work that I was able to do because the real reason I couldn't say anything is because I had such a really bad taste in my mouth having to eat all of those words of complaining uh, that I'd done to my fellow employees. I was so embarrassed. I'm, I'm really embarrassed to even tell you the story today. It's, it's just has set, made that kind of impression on me. Man, did I ruin that surprise. Among others, what was supposed to be really such a really great surprise, but because of my grumbling and complaining, I took what was good and made something totally bad out of it. Have you, have you ever done that? Have you ever done that with God? Have we ever been in a situation of ruining a surprise that God has in store for us. What I mean by this, have, we ever, have you ever been so impatient and we found ourselves in a situation that God was about to use it to teach us something or show us something or move us to a more mature level and, and instead of, of waiting on Him to do His work, and maybe surprise us in how he was going to do it, and maybe how we should be depending on him, rather than do that, we just ruined it and missed the surprise. Have you ever done that? I would venture to say you probably have. You know, God has used, often used, unusual ways to carry out his plan and accomplish incredible feats that only he is capable of doing it. And often he did it in an unexpected, surprising way. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, the unexpected God. This has been true throughout all of history, and it's even true today. I have witnessed many situations where there have been significant challenges ahead and there seemed to be no way humanly to overcome those particular challenges that were faced. 
And then God did something really special. He showed up. He did a surprising thing in an unexpected way, and the impossible became possible. And clearly, as I was looking back on it, it was certainly evident that it was God who provided the means in order to be able to move forward. Have you ever witnessed that? Have you ever seen it? We often have described this way of God working in this way. God moves in mysterious ways. You've heard that, haven't you? Yeah. You won't find these words in the Bible. Some people think they're probably there. It's like they might even say, yeah, absolutely, God moves in mysterious ways. It's in the Bible. Well, it's not. It's not there. They're very true words, but they're not words that are written in red that Jesus had spoken. Uh, they're not even words that the Apostle Paul spoke out of all of the other writings of the New Testament he did. Neither were they words that, the that are included in the Proverbs that Solomon wrote about or a Psalm of David. That None of those were there. These actually were words that were used in a religious setting. And let me tell you how it was done. In 1774, there was a hymn written by William Cowper. The first stanzas of this hymn, and I don't know that we've ever sung it. I'm not real familiar with this particular hymn. It goes like this. God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. And that's where these words came from. God moves in mysterious ways. Just think about how he has done this throughout all of history. Remember the story of Abraham and Sarah? God had promised Abraham a son, said he was going to have many in his nation. When Sarah turned 76, she was in this quandary. No, no child to carry out what God had promised Abraham. And little did she know that God would make her laugh, giving her a son. Now, 13 years later, that's God working in a mysterious way. Or how about uh, Joseph's brothers who sold him into slavery, that he would grow up to be one who eventually would turn around and save the very ones who had sold him into slavery. We've seen it in Moses' life. A mother sets a basket afloat and nothing, with nothing more than a prayer, and Egyptian princess intercedes and saves the baby. Instead of using Moses when he was 40 years old, God waits until Moses is 80 years old, and he moves in a mysterious way there, all through Moses' life. He, he's out doing things that he normally does every single day, and he looks up, and what does he do? He sees a burning bush. And God's doing something very much surprising and unexpected by speaking to him through this burning bush and it continues long after the story we're going to look at one of those in just a moment but let me give you some more examples of how God moved in mysterious ways Joshua calls on his people to simply march around a town and what happens the walls fall down that's God Instead of using Gideon's army of 32,000 soldiers, God told Gideon to whittle the number down, get it down to where there's only 300. That's certainly pretty mysterious. 
Or how about Samuel who goes out to anoint a king and chooses the youngest son who's not there fighting battles, who's not there doing some incredible things, but he's out tending sheep. Or how about when that same shepherd comes in to check on his brothers and there's this giant Nathan Goliath taunting the army of the Lord and that same guy steps forward and with a, a slingshot and some rock, he, he fells that giant. That's God doing a mysterious thing. Or when the Israelites are in exile in Babylon and, and Daniel chooses, what does he do? He gets on his knees and he prays in the midst of a den of lions and is saved. Or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse to bow to an idol and find themselves in a fiery furnace and not a hair was burned on them. And one more, how about Esther? Who is taken as a concubine and every time God turns the circumstances around. Story after story, Stepping into the situation, God is, is changing how things happen by doing the unexpected full of surprises. God is certainly a God who moves in mysterious ways. God seldom acts or moves the way that we think that He should and in the time frame that we won't. He's a God of surprises. He's a God of the unexpected. All to carry out this plan conceived from the very beginning of time to have this relationship and to provide salvation for us. Let's go back and take a look at one of those mysterious ways that God moved when he caused Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Exodus chapter 14, verse 10 through 22 is what we're going to read. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Now, you've got to get the setting of this. Here are the Israelites. They're caught between a body of water, the Red Sea, and the Egyptian army who are in, they're chasing after them. You see their predicament? They're, they're, they're kind of hemmed in here. And it says that they're terrified, and they cry out to the Lord. It's a, it's a cry of desperation. The Israelites are standing in front of the Red Sea. They can't move forward. And behind them was this incredible army, the armies of, the, of Egypt, and they couldn't move backwards. They're just, they're just stuck. And watch how they respond. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out of the desert to die? Out to the desert to die? And listen to the wording of that. What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Have you ever been in a kind of a similar situation as this? Now, this is what I was talking about earlier. 
been in a position kind of similar to what the Israelites faced, maybe not quite as extreme, obviously, as a life or death situation, but no less, you have found yourself in a tough spot, and there seemed to be no good path for you to take. Was your go-to what their go-to was? Let's discover what it is. Their go-to was to grumble and complain, saying something really absurd like, oh, we'd just been better off if we'd still been in Egypt. We were better off serving people that we were enslaved to uh, who, who really treated us so badly. We were so much better off than what we find ourselves in today. You ever kind of been in that situation? God, if you had just worked things out, I wouldn't find myself where I am today. Why? Why has this happened? Now, I can imagine there were people running around screaming, we're all going to die, we're going to die. You know, it's a lot, it's, what is it called, that, that, the sky is falling mentality. The sky is falling. Eugene Peterson describes this way in the message. He, they told Moses, weren't the cemeteries large enough in Egypt so that you had to take us out of here to the wilderness to die? What have you done to us, taking us out of Egypt? Back in Egypt, didn't we tell you this would happen? Didn't we tell you? Didn't we tell you? Didn't we tell you, he says. Leave us alone here in Egypt, and we're better off as slaves in Egypt and as corpses in the wilderness. It's really not too hard to imagine hearing them say this, because we live in the culture we live in today, right? I mean, everything's so... Just, everywhere you turn, the sky's falling. We're going to die. You know, it's really a sin for, pe for God's people to believe that. We should be better than that. Why? Because we know God's in control, right? I don't want to diminish their situation. It's a pretty daunting predicament they find themselves in. Why? Because they're trusting in themselves and their own ability to solve the problem. Man often does this. Panic leads to giving up. And in that situation, because we're so easily able to, to find ourselves in a place where we think we're defeated, we just might be putting ourselves in a position to miss a surprise from God. Remember what Sarah did when she failed to trust God for what he had promised? She took matters into her own hands, if you recall the story, and gave Hagar to Abraham to do the job. How'd that turn out? Well, not so well. And here we see how the Israelites are complaining to God rather than trusting him. And they have no idea that God was about to show up and do the unexpected to give them a surprise. Thank goodness there was Moses who was leading them, stepping in to say, God made a promise and you can trust him. Sometimes God brings along someone in your life 
maybe when you're in one of those situations who says something or does something that reminds you of who God is and he's a God of surprise. My challenge to you, one of the questions I want to ask you this morning, do you have that someone in your life? Have you found that someone who's going to start giving you godly advice to help you through a situation that is tough, that it should not be diminished, that, that you can't find, it doesn't seem possible to find any way out, and you're expecting a miracle from God, you're expecting God to show up in this situation, and, and you need someone to step into your life, who do you go to? You know what I have found? It's quite often people who are going through a really bad situation find people who are going through the same kind of situation who are just as, as, as miserable as they are. And then they start seeking out that advice from that person who's not in a good place to give advice. Rather than having someone in their life who is godly who maybe has been on, who's on the good side or the, the other side of it and was able to look back and say, you know what? Yeah, I was there. I understand where you are now, but let me just tell you something. There's a hope and there's a promise from God. He's going to carry you through it. That's the kind of person you should be looking for to find strength from them. Moses, he steps in. And he answers this, this quandary that the people find themselves in. He says to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And then he says this, and this is a great verse for you to write down somewhere and have it. When you're going through a situation, the Lord will fight for you and you need only to be still. Isn't that great words? I love this verse. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. He's saying, don't try to get a hold of, ahead of God. Give him a chance. Turn this problem over to him. God is capable of doing something that you never expected would happen. Don't ruin the surprise. Look. Look for God to do the unexpected. I think there are people who are sitting in this room today who need God to do the unexpected in their life right now. I really believe that. Now, I'm going to try to tell you that God's always going to do the unexpected in your life. He's not always going to give you exactly what you want. I don't know why he does some things and some things he doesn't. That's not for me to know. That's totally up to him and what his will and what his plan is for yours and my life. He certainly hasn't always done everything that I prayed for. Thank goodness for that. Can you look back and say, man, I prayed for this, I prayed for this, I wanted God to do it, and man, looking back now, I am so glad he didn't do that. It's a good thing he doesn't do everything we pray for. 
I couldn't see it at the time, but God knew way ahead of time what was best for me and what wasn't. But I can tell you that there have been times that He has done the unexpected in my life. And it's been some incredible times that I've experienced. And it turned out to be a really nice surprise. He has done it not only in my life, but I know He's done it in many of your lives as well. He's done the unexpected in the life of this church. That turned out to be a, a nice surprise. Our job is to look for it and don't spoil the surprise. We pick up in verse 15, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Don't you love that? And it's like, oh, I've had enough of their whining and complaining. It's time to get on with the business that I've called them to do. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through the, his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, and when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of the God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. There, throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so that neither went with, near the other all night long than Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land the waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right and on their left surprise Did you see all the ways God was doing the unexpected there? Hearts of the Egyptians were hardened. They lost their battlefield wisdom and decided that they would go after the people. The angel of God moves from the back leading, or from the front leading them. He goes to the back of the packs and stood between the army and the people, and there would be this pillar or a cloud the cloud provided darkness so that the ones on that side couldn't see, the Egyptian army couldn't see, and the ones on the other side, the Israelites, could see from the light that was provided. There was this barrier of separation that stood between them. The waters uh, were divided when Moses raised his staff. The Israelites crossed on dry land, no mud, but walls of water on each side. All of those were surprises and unexpected that God did. The unexpected God, miraculous, mysterious. I recently read a story of a couple on their honeymoon. For the first night, the groom reserved the bridal suite in an expensive hotel. The reception ran late, and so it was after midnight when they arrived at the hotel and entering in the bridal suite. They were so excited. But they were surprised to find only a sofa. 
some chairs and a table. Certainly not what they expected when they spent their money on this expensive bridal suite. No bed in the room. They discovered that the sofa was a sleeper sofa. So they put sheets on it only to discover that it had a lumpy mattress. They were too tired to protest or ask for another room, so they just endured the disappointment. Next morning, you can imagine, as they were packing, going to check out, the husband marched down there to the lobby and accosted the manager with his complaints. After listening for several minutes on, to the groom's complaints, the manager asked him, did you open the door in the room? And the groom went back to the room, and he opened what he thought had been a closet door. However, it was the entrance to a beautifully furnished bedroom where they found a basket of fruit and chocolates. The manager had provided everything to please them. They just didn't take full advantage of what was available. And I can imagine they felt rather foolish after learning what had been available. It makes me wonder how many times we miss out on what God has for us. How many believers will enter into heaven? And, and you know what? I put me in this category. Maybe only to discover the multitudes of blessings and awesome amounts of spiritual power that God said was available to you that you just missed out on. Hmm. God moves in mysterious ways. He is a God of surprises, a God of unexpected. And often we don't understand His ways. And what does that do? That oftentimes leads us to do exactly as the Israelites did, grumble and complain and miss what God's trying to get us to see, the bigger picture of what His plan is for us. There was this poem written, a very short poem, by Esther Guyot. It says this, God has a thousand ways where I cannot see one. When all my means have reached their end, then His have just begun. God's greatness is mind-boggling. The Apostle Paul was overwhelmed by the greatness and majesty of God, and he breaks out with these words in Romans chapter 11, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge! How impossible it is for us to understand His decisions and His ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give Him advice? And who has given Him so much that He needs to pay it back? For everything comes from Him and exists by His power and is intended for His glory. All glory to Him forever. Amen. We can't know everything there is to know of what we do in this life, what we go through. 
Only God does. And ultimately, he's trying to get it to that point to where it all points back to his glory. You remember the author of the song that I told you about, God Moves in Mysterious Ways, William Cowper? Well, there's more to the story, and let me just kind of end with this. Cowper was born into a pastor's home, and he trained to become a lawyer. From an early age, he struggled with bouts of depression and anxiety. And at the age of 28, he had an opportunity to be hired as an accountant for the House of Lords. But when he stood before them to receive their questions, he froze and he could not answer. He sank so far in depression that he made the first, he made the first three attempts. It was just so bad that he wanted to commit suicide. He was admitted into St. Albans Insane Asylum. And although he knew about God, Cowper was deathly afraid he was forever lost and destined for hell. So while he was in the asylum, he began to read the Bible and gain a greater understanding about God's nature. But he also started writing poetry. He had never married and was so lonely and depressed on another evening, he decided to throw himself into the Thames River to drown. He called for a cab. This is a horse and buggy type of cab. The horseman directed the horseman to drop him off at a certain dock on the River Thames. And on the way to the dock, the, the, the dense fog, fog descended on London until the driver could only see a few feet in front of the coach. After wandering around aimlessly for over an hour, Cowper told the driver to stop, just let him out, and he would try to find the river on foot. The coach stopped, and Cowper exited. He was surprised to find that in the fog, the driver had made a circle, and he was right back in front of the door to his flat. Cowper concluded that God had a hand in the fog and he never attempted suicide again. Not long after that foggy evening, he penned the words of that song that I said earlier, God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break. In blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. He struggled pretty much all of his 69 years. But God used William Cowper to write some powerful words, lyrics. He is the author of There is a Fountain Filled with Blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. You know, if you know the hymn, it goes, lose all their guilty stains lose all their guilty stains, and sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. 
He goes on to write several more verses. I think there are six total, but he writes this one. Ere since by faith I saw the stream thy flowing wound supply. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. And shall be till I die, and shall be till I die. Redeeming love has been my theme. Do you see what God did? He came in an unexpected, surprising way into this man's life and caused him to be able to write these incredible words to a hymn that we still sing today. Redeeming love shall be my theme. And shall be till I die. God is a God of unexpected. As I said earlier, I truly believe that there are people who need God to show up in your life. And if that's you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what it is that you need God to do. I'm not going to pretend to know. But I know enough about my people in my church to know that you need God to do something special. Heavenly Father, just in these moments thinking back on the scripture that says we just need to be still and look to you maybe there's someone here right now just needs to be still And just feel your presence. Seek you. Because they just need you to do something in their life in an unexpected, incredible, incredible, mysterious, miraculous way. your Holy Spirit works right now and pray that in their own special way they will you just somehow allow the Spirit to push out everything else any other thoughts any other actions there'd be nothing that interrupts that time with you to seek you out. In these moments, Father, that they will say, I trust you, God. I don't know where all this is going. I don't know what the next moment's going to be. I don't know what tomorrow's going to be. But I'm going to look to you to do the unexpected 
and I'm going to trust you for it. That's my, that's my starting point, God. I'm going to trust you. Would you just take time now and just, I'm going to be quiet in just a few minutes as, as the music just softly plays. And Would you just take some time just to, just to hear from God, to experience Him? If God's leading you to make a commitment to Him, either privately or publicly, that you would do it right now. As we just quietly listen to the music. much higher than what we can even comprehend every heart every mind every soul you know everyone's struggles and their victories you know what each person needs right now I pray that there's not a single person that has this heaviness of heart that will leave this place today without just saying, God, I need you. The Red Sea's on one side and the, Israel, the Egyptians are on the other and I'm trapped and I just need you to speak. they surrender it to you. So we don't miss a surprise. We don't see miss seeing you work in our lives. Help us, Father. Maybe you're here and just said that prayer but maybe just coming here in this altar would be something that would strengthen your prayer we're going to stand we're going to sing and if you have some business that you need to do with God here in this altar maybe you want to come and, and have me pray with you or have someone else just grab them by the hand and say hey I need you to walk with me I we don't have to pray out loud. We can if we want to, but I just need you as a partner to pray with me. I invite you to do that now as we stand and as we sing. Who has the power to raise the dead? And who can save us from our sin? He is our hope our righteousness Jesus.
It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Although we can bow and praise God with them, you and I have a choice. The Bible says the angels are they're envious of us. I hope, hope we're uh, appreciative of our choice. We have a lot going on this week. Uh, this coming um, week, we're getting ready uh, for date night, our ladies' ministries, just for the summer. And uh, that's going to be Friday, February 10th, uh, 7 o'clock. And uh, they are trying to get together some really cool, creative snacks. And uh, so just wanting to make sure that we have an accurate count of who's coming. So if you think you're coming, uh, don't let that be one of the surprises that we were talking about this morning. Uh, but if you, if you do, uh, if you are able to come and you weren't able to reserve, uh, you, you obviously are going to be welcome. But they would love to be prepared for you. Then also this Saturday, um, our men's breakfast, uh, excited um, about that, second Saturday of the month, 7.59, uh, so come and join the guys, all the guys, and uh, great breakfast, the fellowship's even better, so I encourage you to come and be a part of that. Uh, then Wednesday morning is our prayer time. I, let me just say, I encourage you, take advantage of all of these opportunities. This is where you find community is in different things. We have this movie night. It's a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, a lot of time together, and just great fellowship, as well as that happens on men's breakfast and, and during our prayer time. And, and let me just say, I, mean, I am overwhelmed at the number of people that need to be prayed for, have prayer requests. The opportunity to come together on Wednesday morning and do that is a special time. I encourage you, if you're not coming, to, to come on and be a part of this prayer time together. There will be a deacon's meeting this coming Wednesday night at uh, what time we normally meet? 7.30? 6.30 this coming Wednesday night. A deacon's meeting, very important deacon's meeting, guys. We hope to see you there for our meeting. This is our regularly scheduled meeting. I want to tell you that two weeks from today, we're going to have a state, we're calling it a state of the church address, Okay. Uh, and uh, we're going to um, have a, a short business meeting following that where we're going to introduce some things that the church needs to vote on, like a budget, and we, deacons, uh, are, we've got our deacon selection team has been hard at work, and they're going to be ready for a recommendation for the next term of deacons. And I don't know if you noticed or not, but we're out of parking. Anybody noticed at all? Anybody have a hard time finding a parking spot today? Uh, and, and so one of the things that we're going to vote on uh, is uh, extending or, or adding more parking in the lot next door. And I'll have, I'll have all that diagram so that you can see what it is and cost and everything. So we're going to be voting on that as well that Sunday and maybe another thing or two. But I'll encourage you to be here two weeks from today, a stay of the, stay of the church address, kind of where we are and, and how God's blessed us. And, and man, he's been doing some incredible things since the beginning of this year, and um, our, our attendance just continues to, to be impressive and growing, and you're here, and just, we just feel some momentum moving. Don't we? Do you feel that way? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, yeah, that's even better. So... All these things help us do what we're called to do to reach this community. So, hey, we done? Ready to go home? A week from today, um, our students are going to be heading to the Hamiltons for a Super Bowl watch party. So.
Oh, I was, oh, you said Hamilton. I thought you were just going about to say the Hamptons. Like, no, no. The mountains? Hamiltons. The Hamiltons for Super Bowl. Okay. Who's playing? Pittsburgh, no, Philadelphia, and Kansas City. The Chiefs. Who did I say? Kansas City, who was that? Chiefs. That's the Chiefs. All right, well, I was right. Okay, if you're for the Chiefs, would you stand? Stand for the Chiefs? Oh, wow. You folks can go home. <laughs> if you're for Philadelphia, would you please stand? You folks can stick around. Uh. If you don't care, the rest of you stand up. Get out of here. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of our pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m., or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.